Hello, everybody. I'm Phil Brandt, President and CEO of AIM Employers Association, and welcome to This Week at Work. Welcome to the only show about the workplace that offers you front row seats and a microphone, bringing you practical, timely, and accurate insights so that you can more effectively lead your organization. It's Thursday, episode 229. Today, AIM just wrapped up the sold-out 9th Annual Leadership Conference, an in-person full-day focus on leadership development, employee engagement and retention, talent management, and corporate culture. We'll discuss key takeaways from the conference, including new ideas for effective leadership, best practices, and other valuable lessons. It's those two words, family time. Speak greatness in the people. Brief, execute, debrief, perfect. And as always, we take your questions and your pulse. All this and more on This Week at Work. Oh, welcome back, everyone. Thank you for joining us, Bert. Thank you once again for being the platinum sponsor at our amazing leadership conference yesterday. We're so happy to always have a partner like yourself and the Ogletree Law Firm uh, helping out our members, many which I know are your clients. Uh, I was curious, Bert, uh, did you look in the mirror this morning? No, uh, I well, didn't. You, you, you have something on your shirt here today, oh. Bert. I'm not sure uh, you know, if you're aware of that or not, but I didn't want you to go out in public uh, looking uh, in an unintended way. Well, I, I appreciate that, Phil. You're always looking out for me. I, I do have to be in court this morning. So, you know, and, and really, I thought on episode 229, we really should start dressing up the program a little bit. I mean, I decided to put on a tie today and I look at you. Look at what you're wearing. Look, look at Kazza. the contrast of us, Bert. I mean, here you are. You're looking just like my mother would prefer I look. And, and you know, and I'm wearing some some shirt with the slogan about leadership being life. And, um, you know, it just... I think maybe that's what makes the program work is the contrast. You know, I'm I'm the beauty and you're the brains. I don't know. Phil, all I can say is I, I I can't help that your mother is not happy with the way way you turned out looking. I just can't help that. But I, I've, let, I've let, been a, I've been a disappointment most of my life to everyone <laughs> I know. But anyway, well, well, let me let me say that you guys were not a disappointment yesterday. Ogletree is happy to support your event, and let me say, Aim knows how to throw a party. You guys did a great job. Uh, you had an unbelievable uh, turnout at the program yesterday and really provided some absolutely great uh, content, subject matter experts, uh, presenting leaders from all over the community. It was a really great program. Congratulations. Yeah, well, thank you for that. I, I do appreciate it. I, I feel the same way. And, and I do think the employees here, uh, Tim Sater, our Vice President of Marketing and Debbie C. Wester, who helps pull all those things together. And it really does take everyone but me to make it successful. And uh, they just do a fantastic job. And, you know, as I said yesterday, you know, and it's funny, I get on stage and I can get emotional so easily because um, when you care, you, you really, it's not hard at all to to have emotions come through. And, and I really do care and I love our membership. And I'm so, so thankful for our employees that, um, it just, it starts to overwhelm me. And every year at that conference, I think we really just shine through and what, what they care about. And that is serving our members. And that's what, that's what fuels us. And, you know, one thing with that, Bert, I want you to say hi to Barry Englehart. Uh, he's the vice president of HR over at Store Supply. And he's a proud member of AIM and been 
very involved in our, our local community and HR leadership and someone I'm really honored to associate with. And he wanted to take some time and be on the program and just share some insights. So Barry, I wanna say good morning to you. How are you this morning? I'm good, Phil. Thanks for having me and I'm humbled by your kind words. Yeah, well, you're a, a great member and you do a fantastic job with SHRM and the way that you play a, as a leader in our community. So thank you for being on the program. Um, I don't want to take up too much time talking about the conference because that's why Barry's here. But Bert, I know you got some important things to talk about on Lawyer on the Clock. So with that, why don't we kick off? Lawyer, you are on the clock. Oh, did we want to talk about the polls, though? Did we want oh, to run the great. polls first? See, and there you got producer Nick in the background, <laughs> our superstar. All right. Thank you, Nick. Yep, we'll do the poll questions. I think that meant you weren't ready for my cue. And we'll go right into it. Um, so here are our poll questions. Uh, if you did uh, attend yesterday's uh, ninth annual leadership conference, we'd like to get some uh, feedback from you onto that first question, um, which is, did you attend? Second uh, is, if you did attend, describe the conference in one word. And it's not a word, Bert. It's a word cloud. I've been working on that. <laughs> Um, and we'll do a word cloud. And then finally, whether you attended the conference or not, um, there was a list of breakout sessions. And I'd like to just hear from you as to which of these topics you feel are most important. And then maybe in the chat, tell us why. Leadership, culture, compensation, attracting talent, data systems and skills and growing. Those are many of the topics that we had. And I'd like to just get some feedback, whether you attended the conference or not, what do you feel is most important and tell us why? All right, Nick, you got your cue button ready? I am ready. All right, lawyer, you are on the clock. All right, it's time to look into what's trending in employment law. Lawyer, you're on the clock. Like an echo in here today. What's going on? All right. The first one. So this one, we're going to probably spend most of our time, most of my six <clears throat> slash 12 minutes uh, <laughs> talking about this one particular decision. Uh, so last Friday, the NLRB, uh, actually, this just, just uh, what, what's today? Thursday. So Monday, Monday, the NLRB issued a decision that changes the standards relating to discipline or discharge of workers who crossed the line with offensive or abusive conduct while engaging in protected activity under the National Labor Relations Act. So this is a very significant decision in this case and non-union employers pay attention because this is where I've been telling you on the program time after time that the NLRB is coming after non-union employers just as much as it's going after unionized employers. So in this case, the board reversed its 2020 ruling in a case uh, that, uh, that, that basically said that employees do not have a right to engage in harassing or profane conduct toward other employees and toward uh, supervisors and customers, et cetera. And they returned to a, quote, various settings specific, end quote, standards for determining when discipline or discharge is lawful for employee misconduct. Uh, so the, the, the key takeaways or the quick bullet points here is that the NLRB reversed a 2020 ruling that had adopted a burden shifting test for when an employer has lawfully disciplined or discharged an employee for offensive or abusive conduct. This new ruling 
is likely going to complicate disciplining or discharging workers for offensive or abusive outbursts in the uh, context of National Labor Relations Act protected activity. And the board held that a prior sp setting specific test must be applied. So, All right, so Bert, you got to break this down into some layman's terms, because what I'm hearing from you is that this um, may give more freedom to um, union or non-union employees, maybe more so in the non-union uh, workforce, um, to maybe use more profanity directed at a supervisor or coworker and less ability for management to, to uh, manage that out of the workplace with discipline. Yeah, that, that you're, you're, you're right on, Phil. So basically, we, we all know that employers are oftentimes confronted with situations in which an employee engages in an outburst or abusive conduct during otherwise protected activity. So for example, you might have somebody that uses profane, sexually harassing, or racially inappropriate statements during collective bargaining negotiations or on a social media post or on a picket line if they're striking. And for many years, those outbursts were evaluated under multiple but slightly different tests tied to the setting of the outburst. And so the NLRB would say, well, what was the setting of the outburst? Was it in union negotiations? Was it when two employees were going to a supervisor to complain about the working conditions? Uh, or was it just a, an employee uh, just kind of talking off the cuff and using sexually harassing or, or racially insensitive language. And in 2020, the National Labor Relations Board harmonized its approach to those outboards and, uh, outbursts and established a consistent standard uh, that applied across all cases involving abusive conducts, it, conduct in the course of Section 7 activity. And in that case, they adopted a test for such disciplines or discharge, which focused on the motive of the employer in taking the adverse action. And basically what the NLRB held, the Trump NLRB held, is that would the conduct get the employee fired absent the protected activity? And if the answer to that question is yes, then the discharge or discipline would stand. If the answer was no, then the dis discipline or discharge would be illegal. And so in this case, the, uh, the, the, the board reversed that decision and basically said that Section 7 activity loses the protection of the act depending on the place of the discussion, the subject matter of the discussion, the nature of the employee's outburst, and whether the outburst was in any way provoked by an un employer's unfair labor practice. And so what this means in layman's terms, Phil, is, is that profane, abusive, harassing conduct uh, toward a supervisor may be justified, according to the NLRB, depending on the employer's conduct and depending on whether uh, the employee was engaged in protected concerted activity at the time of the outburst. Wow. Well, more to come on that. That is, uh, that is quite a shift. Um, so I don't know, I'm interpreting that as maybe two wrongs make it right, um, which I was always told wasn't right, but we'll, <laughs> we'll figure it out. Uh, that's a, a tough one. Stay tuned. Uh, more to, to be discussed on that. Yep. So another one I wanted to chat about real quickly is uh, a decision that uh, came down 
just in the last couple of days where uh, the NLRB also ruled that some employees uh, have the right to wear Black Lives Matter insignia in, on their uniforms while at work. Uh, this is a very significant decision from a, a subsidiary of Kroger uh, grocery stores. And in this decision, the NLRB said that the employees have the right to wear uh, Black Lives Matter insignia if they are engaged in protected concerted activity. And I think this goes along with the decision that we just talked about, that you have to look at the context of the of, of what people are wearing uh, and, and decide whether that could be barred or not. Now, what's interesting is, is that this decision from the court, or I'm sorry, from the NLRB, uh, is in direct conflict with the NLRB decision that was issued uh, less than a year ago uh, regarding Home Depot, where the NLRB said that the employees in that case did not have the right to wear the Black Lives Matter insignia uh, on their uniforms. And again, I think what the what the test is going to be here is, is, uh, is the employee engaged in protected ac concerted activity regarding terms and conditions of their employment at work. Somehow in the Kroger case, they were found to be wearing Black Lives Matter insignia to protest their own terms and conditions of employment. Whereas in the Home Depot case, it was not protected concerted activity because it was more of just a political statement and didn't relate to the terms and conditions of employment. So the problem- You know, you know how I would get around that. I just, something that came to mind and, and I can see it. Um, I, I, I'll whisper it so that it doesn't get out. But what if the uh, back Black Lives Matter button just had like the little union badge, little logo on it, and now it's protective concerted activity and it's really advertisement as well for the union. But I don't know, but that's the type of thing that uh, I can see coming out of a, a situation like that. Yeah, so that could be a very difficult case, Phil, if, uh, if, if they... If, if they specifically tie it uh, to the union. But again, I think under this contextual analysis that the NLRB is pushing here, that you would have to see, is there a union effort uh, in, in the workplace or are they just simply trying to, trying to uh, bootstrap uh, Black Lives Matter onto uh, a union issue for the right. purpose of, of advocating for Black Lives Matter. And again, I think the distinction- I wouldn't want to fight it in court. That is yeah. for sure. Well, and again, I think the big distinction is, is that employers uh, need to look and see if the employees are really engaged in protected concerted activity or not. And That's that means be the that, test. Yeah, that, and, and that means that they are uh, discussing terms and conditions of employment. They're trying to unionize. They're trying to avoid unionization, whatever it is. You need to have uh, that protected concerted activity and then view the conduct in the context of whether or not it's protected and concerted. Yeah, great. That's some good stuff, Bert. Anything else you want to cover? Or we? Yeah, real quickly, because we mentioned it on the program a few times. The last one I'll talk about today is is that uh, just in the last uh, uh, couple of days, uh, earlier this week, a federal uh, judge in Connecticut, uh, actually on Friday acquitted six executives in a Department of Justice lawsuit alleging that the defendants conspired together in an illegal no-poach agreement. We've talked about these several times on the program and kind of scary when you're doing uh, 
human resources and all of a sudden you, you might hear of the Department of Justice uh, coming after you criminally. Um, and uh, what happened in this case was that a former director of global engineering at Raytheon, uh, subsidiary Pratt & Whitney, uh, participated in an agreement to restrict the hiring and recruiting of outsourced workers with five other executives who represented the outsourcing companies. In other words, these companies all agreed, we won't hire your employees. Yeah. We see those agreements all the time. And these outsourcing or independent contractors, the independent contractor says, we won't hire your employees if you don't hire our employees. Well, the Department of Justice went after these uh, six executives criminally and a federal judge uh, acquitted the six executives Friday. And so I think this is a really good decision for employers out there that have these agreements that are trying to protect their talent. The Department of Justice, uh, their, their policy goal in going after these types of cases is to free people from the burdens of non-compete agreements, no poach agreements, and allow more free competition uh, and so you've got this balance there that uh, the courts have frankly dealt with, in my opinion, pretty well over time, uh, looking at these and, and to try to criminalize this by the Department of Justice, I think really represents an overreach here. But we'll have to see how these cases continue to shake out. Yeah, you know, that's I, I think it's going to be interesting because of, you know, the talent availability that's predicted over the next 20 years is going to be, you know, few and far in between. But I've just never had that problem. I mean, I've actually had employers go, hey, why don't you take him? You know, and they're trying to pass me off to someone else. And they're going, no, that's OK. We really don't want him. Uh, so I, I, it'd be fun to be desired a little bit. Um, of course. But, Good, good stuff there. We'll, we'll yes. keep everyone informed as uh, we make life more confusing every single day for all of us. Yes. Great job, Bert. Thank you for Lawyer on the Clock. Nick, let's get to Filbert's Forum. You've just entered Filbert's Forum, where we peel the onion back and take a lighter look at the workplace. All right, here we have, uh, you know, Bert, we had this uh, take a selfie booth and the line was so long that people just didn't even want to wait in it. You know, um, I, I don't know what else to say about the line, but we did get a few photos in there. And I will just say kicking this off. I don't know if you did, but again, I got great compliments about the program. Um, several people um, even referred all the way back to listening when we were doing it every single day for an hour as we were addressing COVID. Um, and just how much it meant to them. And I just wanted to share that. But here we have Jeannie. Jeannie, um, we debated her, how we pronounce her name. She's out there listening today um, on the program before, particularly after show program. And uh, she came all the way in from Pennsylvania to be a part of yesterday's program. Oh my gosh. Uh, she, she learned about us um, through this program and was one of those listeners. And she got in there and took a picture with us at our selfie station. Uh, so I wanted to say good morning to her. She had her team there with her and it was fantastic uh, to, to meet a fan. And uh, it's always very humbling when you get a chance to meet someone who's thankful for your help. So good morning to you, Jeannie. Thanks for sharing the photo. What else you got there, Nick? All right. Oh yeah. And this was, uh, remind me his name, Nick? This was Amon. Ahmad. Ahmad was, Ahmad. Ahmad was a great help for us, and we were happy to have him, and he really saved the day several times. Good morning, Ahmad. Happy to have you a part of that program as well. 
And the uh, other fun one we had here. Oh, look at this. Look at that. Barry Englehart, our our guest today. Barry, you're up next, so get ready. Uh, thanks for jumping in there. Uh, this is our keynote speaker, Jack Becker, who was intense, and I want to get Barry's uh, um, opinion of him. But I've not met a fighter pilot, actual combat fighter pilot, that's not intense. It probably takes a, a level of intensity to do that type of job, but lots of talent. There's a character we don't need to spend <laughs> any time on. Uh, I don't know why he got in there. And then our most famous character of the day, Ted Lasso. And, you know, he made the Channel 5 News last night. Uh, I don't know if you're aware wow. of that or not, but uh, he was on Channel 5 last night um, following or just before the interview um, with Coach Donnie Campbell, who was uh, also our keynote speaker we'll talk about. But uh, that guy could grow a mustache faster than anybody I know right there. <laughs> Great lineup there, good. Nick. Uh, thank you for that. All right, let's kick it off. Barry, how are you this morning? I'm doing great. Thanks. I appreciate you getting up early and getting into the office and uh, being a part of the program yesterday. I know we got a chance to chat. Uh, Want to kind of get maybe your your thoughts on the program and what which programs you attended and what were some of your takeaways? Absolutely. Uh, first and foremost, uh, you guys threw one heck of a party from walking in and fist bumping Louie to uh, <laughs> reliving my childhood nostalgia by watching a fighter pilot and aviators uh, play great balls of fire on the piano while <laughs> I was old enough to have a tasty adult beverage at the conclusion. Uh, you guys hosted a great event, so uh, congratulations to you, Tim, and all your team. I appreciate that. I, I think I saw the mime chasing you around uh, the foyer there in the beginning between Louie and Fred Bird and the mime. It was quite entertainment kicking off the show. So Phil, let's Phil, just start Phil, with our first keynote. Phil, oh, go ahead, Phil, Bert. Phil you, you, you brought it up. That was an awfully handsy mime. I'm not sure if that was appropriate in the workplace. I, I, well, I don't know that there's a lot of, he didn't actually touch. So we'd have to get into what these body gestures meant, right? All right. <laughs> um, but, you know, we tried to keep him in a box. He spent a lot of time trying to get out of a box. Um, anyway, um, Barry, let's kick off with uh, our first keynote speaker, Emily Martin, someone as near and dear to me. I really appreciate Emily. She's actually one of our board members. She's not a professional speaker. She was just there to tell her story. And I'm just curious what you thought of Emily. Well, if she's not a professional speaker, uh, she held her own with the professional speakers on the lineup. Uh, it was very humble, very strong storytelling just to hear her family legacy, to hear about her uh, running the electrical as her family was building a house as she was nine years old. And, mowing the lawn at her family's business growing up to where she's came was uh, just an exceptional story. I think the biggest thing I took from her is just how much she was able to be a professional generalist and trust and empower and support all the specialists surrounding her. And, be and because of that, how strong her teams became and how much they rallied around her because she rallied around them. It was just a beautiful story and trust, vulnerability, and success as a result. Yeah. You know, that I think that is well said, a professional generalist. And I know we have a lot of generalists uh, in the HR profession. Um, 
I mean, Bert's uh, very much a generalist. And most of the time he's like, I don't know, we got to call someone who knows something. <laughs> but anyway, but being a professional generalist is a real skill today, right? Because we know some things, but not all things. And, and knowing what we know and not and knowing where to go when we need to is a real skill set. And that characterizes Emily very well. Super smart lady, you know, law degree, um, you know, owning her own woman-owned business, winning tons of award, and then making the extremely tough decision and moving uh, her fa fourth generation family business into the family fold of Guaranteed Electric. Um, that is a true professional generalist, and I thought she did a great job. Thank you for, for sharing that, Barry. Which breakout sessions did you attend? I attended uh, Lisa Nichols' uh, breakout session on leadership, uh, discovering, sharing your something extra, as well as the uh, Kevin Keller's uh, using reliability statistics to predict uh, employee tenure and attrition. Yeah, two, two great, um, uh, great people, both uh, St. Louisans who I really appreciate. Was there one uh, that you, anything you took away from either one of those programs? Uh, both of them left with very actionable things. With Lisa, she challenged everyone to try to find what makes them unique, what makes them special, and said, if you can't identify it, find the five people closest to you uh, and ask them, and then really try to harness and pour into that and grow that strength and share that strength uh, as a gift. And uh, with Kevin, uh, it's hard to distill an hour-long conversation about statistics into a quote or <laughs> summary, but it was fascinating to hear him kind of take foreign concepts and say, these aren't so foreign, you just have to apply them with Y instead of X, and then run you through that process to really look at how people look at uh, machinery and uh compare that to how you look at the lifespan of an employee and you can get the same within reason predictive analysis of how long your workforce will last and be able to forecast that semi-accurately. Uh, it was also really exceptional that uh, he shared anything he does, you can do in Excel and he's promised to share the formulas and stuff. Uh, it was an introduction, so there's a lot of, a little bit of research that's gonna go into it, but I feel like data analysis, people analytics is probably one of the most important and underutilized aspects of HR. So I was really happy to uh, meet him and uh, learn from him. Yeah, I would agree. I, I mean, I've, I met Kevin Keller for the first time. I'm going to have to go back almost 30 years. And he uh, was a statistician and was sharing information. And I was right out of school and I thought I was pretty smart back then. Um, only learned how how not smart I was is the best way I'll say that. The guy is amazing. I and mean, you, you give him a challenge and he can mathematically prove it to work or not work or tell you the predictability of things. It's fantastic what he can do. And it's really meaningful for us in human resources to, to move more and more in that direction and make that connection with senior leadership um, in a language that they understand, right? And, and they understand numbers, predictability, and estimates, those types of things versus, well, I think and I feel. And, you know, we all mean the same thing, but we use different language in the way we describe it. And I know with Lisa, she found her why, and it's, it's related to, I think it's her son, 
um, who has Down syndrome, and she she just tells a great story, and it's what motivates her. And there's something that motivates all of us as leaders, um, and whether it's your family, uh, it's your paycheck, whatever it is, it's usually got to be something more so than your paycheck. Um, but it's it's something that motivates us, that really drives us to be the professionals that we want to be. The only problem I have with what Lisa suggested is she said, you know, you should go ask five people if you don't know. And I went and asked five, and then I went and asked another five, and nobody really had anything to tell me. I, so I, I just stopped asking people. Um, but anyway, <laughs> what do you think of our uh, keynote speaker at lunchtime, Donnie Campbell? I think he was my highlight of the day to hear him close out by saying thank you for uh listening to me it means a lot i think that really spoke to who he seemed to be as a person i met him and talked to him for a few minutes and he seems like such a humble inspiration i can definitely see why he randomly and coincidentally became who he was unbeknownst to him decades later very 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 don't you just think like in talking to him he's just a genuinely nice guy yeah, I mean, I grew up in a small town, and I felt like I was sitting next to, like, an old friend at a uh, greasy spoon. I mean, yep. yeah, no, he he was. I Bert, I think you're. It's I think it's the impact that sometimes genuine people can make in lives and not know it. That's the amazing part I think of his story. Yep. As I was sitting there, it was you know. 20 something years later, one day he wakes up unbeknownst to him and, and here it is, there's a TV show modeled after, you know, some of the things he did in Sudeikis life. And it, I mean, there are people we impact every day and to be careful of that shadow we cast as leaders and be aware, we know we do it with our kids, right? We know we impact our family that way, but you know, today, Bert, you're going to court and you're going to impact somebody. I want you to think about that while you're on out there, you know, telling your story, defending your client, which I know you would do with all the passion in the world because you're one of the best at it. Thanks. But we are going to be impacting people. Well, and, and Phil, let me just share with you, I'm going to court this morning, uh, which I wasn't going to court, to try to get a temporary temporary restraining order against a former employee who's made some very significant threats against his uh, prior employer. So well, you uh, can't yes, make I, a threat, but they can cuss him out today, you know? I am, I am hopeful to, to have an impact today. <laughs> yeah, I believe you will, because you are one of the best at it. And I do mean that yeah. sincerely. And, and I know Barry, I look at the impact that he makes uh, as a leader. He's involved um, with SHRM at a high level and, and really has helped pull together some great events and and does a great job with a lot of passion, and he's a great member of ours, and participates in the roundtable. And you, you can, you know, Barry, you know, appreciates, you know, I think that core of a human being, and and that's what Donnie Campbell appreciated. And um, we should all keep that in mind. We cast a shadow, and we're making an impact even when we don't know it. Let's wrap it up with Jack Becker, Barry. What'd you think of our fighter pilot? Um. I spent 20 years part-time in the military, so he is preaching things that have been ingrained into me, but uh, I think the biggest thing I took from him is something that I truly believe business typically fails at, which is pausing to reflect through a debrief. Uh, the end of every 
combat mission was always a gathering with a candid conversation, rank off the table, everyone could input. Uh, but it's just three simple questions. What went right? What went wrong? And how do we improve tomorrow? And if you cycle through those questions and you get comfortable speaking candidly on a regular basis, then you continuously improve. And uh, I think we get too busy on the tangibles to stop and reflect or focus on the intangibles. But uh, sometimes you can win by accident. Sometimes you can lose and do the best you possibly could have. And without gathering together and having that conversation, uh, it's hard to learn and memorialize what's been accomplished. So you're not reinventing the wheel moving forward and you're performing at a higher caliber. And frankly, you're all on the same page and speaking the same language. So there's so much that can come of stopping to reflect personally, one-on-one -on -one, or in any team setting. And I feel like that's something that's very much in military culture, but very underutilized in business today. Yeah. Barry, I couldn't he, agree with you more. Barry, he also said something that really stuck with me. I'm curious how you felt about this. I'll try to sum it up in about three words. He talked about uh, transparency, vulnerability, uh, and, uh, it, well, I can't even come up with a word with it, transparency, vulnerability, and uh, uh, wingman. That's the third wingman. word I was looking for. And, and, and what, I, what I took from those three words, he didn't say them in, in a summary form like that, but really being receptive to criticism in order to be, be able to improve. And uh, not getting offended when people criticize you, because up there uh, in in combat in the air, uh, if 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 you make a mistake, it could be life or death, not just for yourself, but for a lot of other people, potentially people on the ground who you're supporting, etc. And so he talked about this, uh, you know, where where uh, his wingman might criticize him for something. His response is, "Thank you for having my back on that," or "Thank you for pointing it out." Would you would you think about that piece of it? I think it's exceptional. I think from an outsider looking in or even 10 years ago, you spoke vulner the word vulnerability and everyone was like, oh, this is Brene Brown fluffy stuff. And I think mm -hmm. it's really not accurate. I think you can't have candor without trust and you can't have trust without vulnerability. So I believe while there's been a lot of, there's been a lot of growth in that topic and a lot of bringing it to the forefront about how important it is. And uh, I couldn't agree more. And wingman, I mean, having someone's back supporting others. I mean, I think Donnie Campbell is a prime example of the more you pour into others, the more you will eventually have a cup that overflows, not by design, but because of the circumstances you've proactively created for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, I think next year we're gonna talk about Barry. Yeah, <laughs> being up on stage. <laughs> I, 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 uh, I, I think those are some great, great takeaways, Barry. I'm very appreciative for what you do in our community and, and helping uh, employers across the region. And I know those uh, people there at Store Supply must appreciate the things you do as well. Uh, Bert, I wish you the best and luck today. I see Lane's made some comments here in the chat. I just want to say 
Lane, thank you so much. She uh, couldn't make it. She's in Indianapolis, but she sent a couple of her staff members all the way from Indy to participate in the conference. Uh, we had people coming from really all around the, the region, as far away as Pitts, um, Pennsylvania, Indianapolis, some from up north, a few from down south. And uh, it was a fantastic event once again. Thank you to my team for pulling it together. And we will be back here. We didn't get a chance to go through the poll questions. I will post them on my LinkedIn page. Uh, you can check that out. And uh, we'll be back here next week, 7.30 Central Time. See you then. Thank you. Thank you once again for tuning in to This Week at Work. If you enjoy the show, please share it with your colleagues. Forward our invites. Share the link, aimea.org forward slash This Week at Work. Or follow or subscribe wherever you get your news and entertainment. Like LinkedIn, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We're everywhere you are. And you can be part of the show. Send your questions and comments anytime to info at thisweek.work. We'll see you next week, 7.30 a.m. Central Time, when we discuss what's happening this week at work.